This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker, delighted to be with you on this Erev Shabbos, two Fridays before Rosh Hashanah, with a very special Parsha and Erev, a very special date. It's Parsha's Kisavoy, or as it's known, Savoy, Tavo. Not when you will come, but in a sense, the promise you will surely come to the day when you will be settled in the land and God will give you all of the blessings and you will thank him in the Holy Temple. Here we are in the month of Elul, Erev Chai Elul. Chai Elul is the birth of the great gift to humanity, gift to the Jewish people, Rabbi Yisroel Baal Shem Tov. He was born in 1698, and when he was 26 years old, on this very date, on his birthday, he received a teacher, a heavenly teacher who taught him for 10 years. It was decided in heaven that Achia of Shiloh, a prophet from the time of King David, should reveal to him, should study with him every aspect of Torah, the revealed and the concealed, to reveal to him how they study Gemorrah in heaven, in Mesifta Derekiah, to reveal to him the spiritual side of everything in life. So when he was 26, he got this wonderful birthday present, and Achia stayed with him for 10 years, teaching him everything, teaching him the truth, teaching him what this world is really about. And when he was 36, the Baal Shem Tov revealed himself as a wonder worker and continued for the rest of his life. It's also the birth of the Altarebbe, Rabbi Schneir Zaman of Liadi. Tomorrow is a holy day indeed. Chai Elul. We are taught that Chai Elul, the 18th of Elul, brings a chayas, brings an energy, brings an excitement into the divine service of Elul. What are we doing in Elul? In Elul, we are trying to come close to Hashem and to ourselves. We are trying to prepare for the new year. We are trying to make sense of things that don't make sense. We are trying to become better people. And amazingly, it is Chai Elul that gives us insight and energy into the work that needs to be done to prepare to have a good year. And the Parsha. The Parsha is an amazing Parsha. It's got extremes in it. It has the opening where we are told when you will come into the land that God, your God, is giving you as an inheritance and you will settle there. Then take from the first fruits and put them into a basket and go to the place that God, your God, will choose. Go to the Holy Temple and come to the Kohen at that time and say to him, 
an entire declaration. Say to him, I am thanking Hashem on this day that I have come to the land that he promised to my fathers to give to us and give the basket to the Kohen. And God, and, and the Kohen will take the basket from your hands and then you make a declaration. And it's a fascinating declaration where you thank God for the miracles that happened to your forefathers. You thank God for saving the nation from Lavan and saving the nation from Egypt. And speak a little bit about how difficult it was in Egypt and how we called out to Hashem and he heard us and he saw what we were going through and he took us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, with great miracles. And he's brought us to this place and given us this land, a land that flows with milk and honey. And then you, the, the man, the person, we run all the way up to this day. We connect ourselves to our history. The history happened to us. And then the person bringing the Bikurim, the first fruits, declares, and now, behold, I have brought the first of the fruit of the land that God has given me. And I have placed it before God and bow down to God and rejoice. You must rejoice, says Moshe, with all the good that God has given you and to your household, etc. You must rejoice. The lady must rejoice. The stranger must rejoice. Everybody must be happy. That's an amazing, amazing start to a Parsha, which also has many other things in it. And primarily it has a review of the rebuke, the terrible things that God forbid can happen if we don't listen. And we need to look and try and draw a lesson as to how does this help us to prepare for Rosh Hashanah and what is it that the Holy Baal Shem Tov and Rabbi Schneir Zalman of the Adi, the first Chabad Rebbe, brought, added, gave us, which can help us to develop true gratitude and can help us to truly prepare for Rosh Hashanah. And so, let's talk for a moment about this history. We are part of our history. We are not here today just because we have evolved, we have resulted from many generations of people who have devoted their lives, who have been loyal, who have been faithful to God's Torah. People who underwent the most difficult trials. And how is it that they survived? We need to understand that the basis of our lives is gratitude. Gratitude for who we are, gratitude for where we are, gratitude that we are God's partner and that he never leaves us. We wake up in the morning and we proclaim that gratitude. We say, ani I thank you, Hashem. Hashem, you're like my mother. You're like a devoted mother. 
Before I wake up, you're already standing there. You're ready to go with me. You're personally involved with me. You never leave me. You, Hashem, are my support, my life, my everything. But it goes deeper than that. The Baal Shem Tov, whose birthday we will celebrate tomorrow and whose special dates we will celebrate tomorrow, explained the Parsha's opening in a very beautiful way. The Baal Shem Tov said, And it shall come to pass when you come to the land. The Medrash emphasizes that the word land, Eretz, shares a root with the word Merutzah, running, and also Ratzon, will. And so the Baal Shem Tov said we can interpret the verse, when you attain a will to do the will of God, you have a Ratzon, where do you get this will? So first of all, you need to know to have that will or that ability to want to be close to God is a heavenly gift. It's an inheritance present in each one of us, deep down or not so deep down. We desire to do God's will. And because we desire to do God's will, although it becomes covered sometimes, it is so important to know that that is our essence. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker, and we're talking Parshas Kisavoy, Tovoy, when you come into the land and you take the first fruits and you place them in a basket and you show your gratitude. And the Baal Shem Tov explains... There's a story behind the story. He says, And it will come to pass when you come into the land, when you attain a will to do God's bidding, because the word land and the word running and the word desire all share a root. Where does the desire to do God's will come from? He says it's a heavenly gift. It's also an inheritance to each and every Jew. And then he says, you shall settle. Your task is then to anchor that spiritual aspiration in a settled manner. We often get an inspiration, but do we carry it through? He says, when you have that desire, make it practical. How? So he says, you shall take of the first fruits and place it in a basket. What is this? He says, take these divine lights, take this great inspiration, put it into a vessel, make it practical. And then you shall go to the place that the Lord your God chooses. Wow. The Baal Shem Tov explained that a Jew must realize that whenever he goes from one place to another, it's not his own doing. He's being led, taken by the hand. God is with him and directing him. And there's an intent. It's not just random. I thought, I met. It is so with exact divine providence. 
and he says, "Go to the place where the Lord chooses to make His name dwell there." Why do we go where we go? Why do we end up where we end up? With the people we end up with, at our workplace, even ca- casually running into a store, it's because at that moment our job. Is to make His name dwell there, to make godliness known in that place. We're not just going to work. We're not just going to buy something. It's not just because that's normal and natural. Everything is directed by God, and each one of us, no matter what we're doing, mundane or less mundane, our mission when we get there, as we're going there, is to make sure. That we represent the godliness, which is the true nature of the world. And then he said, "And it shall come to pass when you come to the land." He says, "In order to get that will to do God's bidding, he says, 'Go to the place to make His name dwell there.' He says, 'You must go to the place. You must devote your life utterly.'" To making God's name, godliness, known in that place, and then he said, "How do you make godliness known?" He said, "By reciting a blessing and a verse of Tehillim. A blessing. A blessing is not just gratitude. A blessing is actually an active act on our part to bring God's." Presence down into that place to reveal godliness in that place, and when we recite a verse of Tehillim, it's a powerful, powerful way of making godliness known there. The Baal Shem Tov speaking about our ongoing relationship with God. He says the first phase, it's it follows. God's initiative. He gives us the desire to serve Him. He inspires a connection. He inspires a desire to seek Him, and then we respond. But we've got to internalize that desire and literally make it part of our personality. Otherwise, it comes. It's a good feeling, and then it goes. That takes work. God then leads the person forth and gives him a mission in the world, and we respond by identifying with that mission, totally to the point of self-sacrifice. When we do that, we express our realization that the whole reason that we're in this world, the whole reason we exist, is just to make God's presence known. The Baal Shem Tov revealed. Through his teacher Achiyah Shiloh, the way we can develop gratitude, it is by understanding what is behind. It is by feeling what is behind everything that happens. And the first Chabad Rebbe codified it in a book called the Tanya and in other great writings. So the Chokhmah, the Bina, the Das, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding. Our intellect can somehow be guided to understand that everything physical 
is really spiritual and that every encounter is really an act of God and then our response to it is in our hands. And this is the gift that enables us to use our Elul correctly and enables us to prepare for Rosh Hashanah properly. Because otherwise, we're only grateful for the things that taste sweet, that feel good, that look good. Our brethren, humankind at the moment, has been struck by big hurricanes. And in Florida, they're bracing themselves. And there's a teaching of the Rebbe, where he says, in this parsha, when Moshe tells the people, when you enter the land, you must take the first fruits and go to the place on which God will choose to rest his name, the holy temple. It only became an obligation after the entire Jewish nation was settled in their land. It's going to take time still. Joshua will lead the people into the land, and then a process of seven years of conquering and seven years of div- of dividing. Nonetheless, until the entire conquest and settlement of the land was complete, nobody was obligated to go up to the temple to bring their annual first fruits. They might have planted, there might have been first fruits, but the reason for this is that this ritual, the ritual of the first fruits, expresses our gratitude for God's goodness. But as long as even one person had not yet received his portion in the land of Israel, the entire nation couldn't experience joy, thanksgiving, gratitude. Well, the same applies to us today. Spiritually, as long as there's even one Jew who is materially or spiritually deprived, how can the rest of us experience complete joy? Impossible. The material plight of another, the spiritual hunger of another, and through them the plight of all humanity and creation in general needs to inspire us to act to fix the situation, to reach out, to care. And of course, at this moment, when so many are displaced and so many are hunkering down, bracing themselves, God forbid for that storm, when Barbados, St. Martin's, is destroyed, there are real people there. The homes are gone. The electricity is gone. The infrastructure is gone. It's going to take weeks and weeks to try and bring some semblance of order. How should we be reacting? Just because we have first fruits, just because we're settled. And we go back to what the Baal Shem Tov says. Wherever we are, it's with a blessing and some tehillim. And there is continuous tehillim. There's ongoing tehillim, begging God that now this Hurricane Irma shouldn't strike land. Somehow, God is able to suddenly plunge it into the sea. Millions of people have been displaced. Millions of people are making provision for somehow to try and defend themselves. Some people have more wherewithal than others. 
but some are materially impoverished. Where will they hide? Where will they go? What about the ill? What about the aged? What about the little babies in incubators? How can we rejoice when others are suffering? And so, real gratitude. On the one hand, we're grateful to you, Hashem, for everything you are giving us, all the abilities and the understanding and the daily gifts. But we cannot forget, and we cannot withhold our powerful gifts of unity, blessing, and prayer, in order to help others. And until the Mashiach comes, and everyone is safe, and everyone is secure, and everyone is spiritually growing, there's no way that we can rest. And so, it brings to mind something very special. The Rebbe speaks to us, and he says as follows. He says, amazingly. When you take of your first fruits, part of the mitzvah, says the Rambam, is to put them in a basket, and the basket becomes part of the offering. That's the way you completely keep the mitzvah. A basket, something woven. In Hasidus, it explains the first fruits. What is the inner meaning of the first fruits? The first fruits are our soul, and the soul comes down into this world, which is the lowest of all the worlds, and the soul is now housed in a basket, in a body, and specifically down here in this world, when the soul is in a body, that's where it has the ability. To do God's will, to do mitzvahs, and to reach perfection. So it was with the fruits. It's only when you bring them in that sort of basket, something very, very simple, inexpensive, not something of metal. He says, if you brought them in a, the Rambam says in a metal basket, then the vessel goes back to the owners. But. A very simple basket, coming from grass, coming from something that's really low, that becomes part of the gift. And our work is to bring the body and the soul together. We have a great soul, but it is specifically through being in a body that it can reach perfection. Specifically, because it is the body through which the soul can do mitzvahs. And then there's a declaration, and the declaration is very, very interesting. The declaration is that there was an Arami. His name was Lavan, and he wanted to destroy Jacob. And then Jacob went down to Egypt, and he lived there. And thank you for saving us, Hashem. So the Rebbe asks a question. He says there were other miracles, not just to be saved from Lavan and from Egypt. What about from Esau? Esau also wanted to hurt Yaakov. What about the miracles, like the splitting of the sea? 
Should they not be mentioned? What about the battle with Amalek, with which last parsha ended? That was also a great salvation for the Jewish people. But the Rebbe says as follows. He says, when we bring these first fruits, it's only after we've managed to settle in the land, to conquer and divide. And when we bring those first fruits, we're also thanking him for making us settled in a land where we can call it our own and we can have what to eat and be satisfied from its fruits. And in order to emphasize that, we do mention places where the Jewish people had hospitality, as it were. For 20 years, Yaakov lived with Lavan. He was settled there. For 210 years, our nation was in Egypt. But Lavan tried to destroy Yaakov, Jacob, at every step. And the Egyptians wanted to destroy us. He says, the other ones, the other miracles, whether it was the splitting of the sea or when Jacob was running away from Esau or the battle of Amalek, they weren't settled anywhere. They happened to be on the road. And this happened to them while they were traveling. But once we're in the land and we have so many blessings, we remember other places which seemed like blessings but fell short. And in our lives as well, the teachings of Hasidus help us to understand the deeper meaning of each one of our journeys and help us understand and appreciate that history and our own destiny are very, very linked. We are part of the history. We are busy completing that incredible golden chain. And our, the story of our lives is part of a tremendous, tremendous story which will only culminate with the coming of the Mashiach. So each day, each day, we have a tremendous amount that we can do to actually complete the work of all the Zaydas and the Bobas and their Zaydas and their Bobas all the way back to Adam, all the way back to Avraham. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker, and we are talking our personal coming into the land, our personal offerings, our personal being led as part of history to the place where work needs to be done and needs to be done by our soul. And sometimes we encounter rough things. As the parsha says, there are things that are called the toichacha, the rebuke. So I'd like to share this interesting story that happened many years ago. You know, the Alter Rebbe Rabbi Schneir Zaman, whose birthday is also tomorrow, he was the one who leaned in the shul. He served as the Torah reading. Once, he was out of town. He was out of Liozhna for the Shabbos of Kisavoy or Tovoy or Savoy. And the, his son, 
a child at that time, a child before Bar Mitzvah, was in shul, and he heard another Balkeira, another reader, read the Parsha. Listening to these curses in the Toichacha, in the rebuke, he experienced such distress that he became ill. And his father was unsure whether his son would be able to fast on Yom Kippur. He was still ill. It took him weeks. So they asked this little boy. They said, why did you respond like this so dramatically, so severely? He says, you've been listening to this same passage being read every year. And he replied, when my father reads it, they don't sound like curses. And Hasidus explains that when a person suffers a tzorah, a misfortune, and it's everywhere. But he understands that it comes from Hashem. He won't be destroyed. He won't be totally overcome by his suffering. Some people advise that when you have tzoros and pain and agony and frustration and the anger that accompanies suffering, the best way to deal is to take God out of the picture. God is good, and uh, he's not to blame for our anguish, etc. Very often there's guilt, etc. So some advise, take God out of the picture. It's not his fault. Hasidus, oh, Hasidus, by contrast, emphasizes how important it is to keep God in the picture. True, we may not understand why bad things happen to good people, such good people, and Nebuch, such terrible suffering. But neither does Hashem, who is infinite, make sense to our limited minds. We can't squash Hashem into our minds that if I know that it's good, it must be good. And if I can't understand that it's good, it must be bad. Keep God in the picture, whether we understand or not. Once we realize that he is involved, he is with us, but he's more than involved. Only good comes from him. Once we understand his love, he's like a loving, devoted mother. Would she ever want her child to suffer? Then we can bear whatever happens. We can transcend the pain because when our father reads, they do not sound like curses. It's a perspective that Hasidic teaching gives you to be able to understand that Hashem loves us, no matter what we do, and that we cannot really understand the difficulties in life. The most we can understand is that they come from him, and ultimately to reach the place that when Father reads, doesn't sound like a curse. But we have to be there for each other, and we have to be there for those who are suffering. Our part in all this is to alleviate the suffering that people go through. You remember the story about the professor who gave, who gave everyone 
a piece of paper, all the students in his class. It was a white piece of paper with a dot in the middle. And he asked them to write an essay about that paper. And there were all of these strange and creative ideas as to what it could mean. And one young woman wrote as follows. She said, the white represents all the blessings that we have. Compared to everything that we have, the dot is a difficulty. And yet we tend to focus on the dot. And yet we tend to become obsessed by the dot. All we can see is that there's a dot on our page. And we aren't able to take in all the other blessings of good health or Hashem's involvement, the fact that he makes our bodies work, the fact that we wake up every day, the fact that it is a pure neshama that he gave into us, the fact that every morning after sleeping we can see, we can stand up, we can get dressed. He gives us the strength we didn't have when we were tired. That Hashem directs our footsteps exactly to where we need to go, that he seats to all our needs, that he imbues us with tremendous amount of abilities, and that he's given us the privilege to partner with him and serve him. So what's logical to do is to recognize how many blessings we all have and to give back. You give back with gratitude, understanding that everything is actually good. And by remembering the others, remembering that so much has happened that is good yesterday, the day before, and the day before. And to be grateful for all that. That joke that they tell about the man that was sitting on the train and an old fellow was sitting near him. And the old man had a headache. And he kept saying, oh, do I have a headache? And the train rolls on. He said, I have such a headache. Oh, do I have a headache? And eventually, at one of the stops, this young fellow went out, got him some panado and water. He said, please, sir, have this. He couldn't bear the kvetching. So the fellow was very grateful. He took the tablets. Twenty minutes, there's silence. And then, oh, did I have a headache? Oh, did I have a... Do we remember that we had a headache and he took it away? Do we remember that he has given us so very much? Or we're asking, well, what have you done for me today? What have you done for me lately? The truth is, the Rebbe teaches that when we say thank you, he gives us more. When we open our eyes and we have gratitude for what there is, he gives us more. And that's making a blessing, and making a blessing with feeling. Baruch, blessed, atah are you. Transcendent God, Hashem, Elokeinu, our God, our strength. King of the world. And to remember that the king is in the field, he's near us. We have the privilege of talking in the second person, atah, to the king. We should be humbled and privileged and extremely, extremely grateful and then to desire to give back. It's an amazing, amazing thing. How else can we help each other? A story about Tehillim.
um, a woman in Israel tells a story. She's an educator, and in 1975, she was approached to teach a very special class. These kids came from problems. They came from broken homes. They were on drugs. They'd been in jail. But they were young. They were teenagers. And she was asked, she was recommended by her principal and asked if she would take take this on. They were boys and girls. So what did she do? As a chassid, she asked the Rebbe. And the Rebbe gave her a blessing. And he also guided her as to what to teach them. And primarily, it was stories of inspiration of great people. In other words, with stories, talk about the great things that other people have achieved and their wisdom, etc., and their goodness, etc. She got a lot of guidance from the Rebbe, and they were able, she said, within one year, and her husband helped her. He taught the boys, and they worked together. Within one year, they were able to reach all the children except one. And they were able to place them in various yeshivas, and it was a great success, but there was one. And she wrote to the Rebbe about this one young woman who went back home, who went back to her previous life, and they they had no way of, of contacting her or reaching her. So the Rebbe answered, do you know her psalm in Tehillim? Our psalm corresponds to our next birthday. If you're 20, your psalm is 21. So she said, I do, because part of what I did to make class personal was to ask everybody their birthday. So I know. So the Rebbe said to her, say her psalm daily. So the woman continued, said, I said her psalm daily. I always looked for her, but I could never find her. And so 14 years passed. And one day her husband was doing a program and a woman came up to him holding children, and she said, Rabbi, I've been looking for you. My teacher, I've been looking for you. It turned out to be this young woman. She had been home for a while, but ultimately she'd straightened out her life. She had become observant. She had a kosher home and a frum family. She was married. She had children. Never underestimate saying to Hilim for someone. The woman said, I was sure I'd be saying Tehillim for her for the rest of my life. And here Hashem showed me that the efforts that I make with the guidance of the Rebbe were absolutely spot on. We need to understand that we are part of a greater picture. We need to do our part, be grateful for what there is, and Hashem will certainly give us more. It's an amazing thing that we have this opportunity to speak. Erev Chai Elul. And to understand that although Torah tells us how Hashem wants us to act, it also teaches us about Hashem. But we're physical people. And we cannot really understand spiritual things until the Mashiach comes. And then Hashem will reveal himself to us. Still, the more we know about Hashem, the more we love him, and the more we'll want to behave in the way that he truly wants. We want to make him happy. And when we look at the beautiful world, we can see that God is an amazing creator. 
but our soul can see what our eyes cannot see. And that's where Hasidic teaching teaches us, Hasidus Chabad specifically. It helps us understand about Hashem, even when the words in Torah speak about something quite physical. And so, as we prepare for this very special Shabbos, let us remember that God only sends blessings. Let us remember that this is a tremendous opportunity to come close to God, whose 13 attributes of mercy are absolutely there for all of us. A guten Shabbos, a guten Tomid.